together through Sunday mornings and also throughout the rest of the week. And also that you keep us connected with your word and that we continue to embrace the good news and respond to your authority by taking our lives and turning them toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jen. 6,000 by the end of the month. You know, it's kind of fitting. My sermon today is from the passage in Mark about how Jesus fed the 5,000. But that was really just the men counting when you count everybody's like 25,000. So that's a good announcement, a good segue. Um, I'm Joe Davis. I'm the pastor here. We're continuing with our series on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, This is number 25 in the series. We're not even halfway through. It's going to be a long one. I've titled this one, The Desperate Crowd. So in in the way of um, sort of like an introduction, we all know that this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000 is one of the more well-known stories of Jesus' ministry. And of course, we know that there are many places in Scripture where the church is commanded to help the poor and to feed the hungry. It's, frankly, it's all throughout the New Testament, this idea. But as I wrote my sermon this week, my first thought went to how God uses our little church in our area in this community, with our Mercy and Community Care team. <clears throat> so our mercy, our mercy team does a great job, and its humble leaders do an incredible work. They're compassionate, they're efficient, they're effective, and if you know Lisa and her team, they are relentless. From food, to clothes, to help with shelter, and medicine, transportation, The team is constantly serving a hurting, desperate crowd. So clearly, right, this lesson today, the takeaway we should have from today's story of the feeding of the 5,000 is this, right? Just feed the poor. Let's close in prayer. Oh, wait, perhaps it's not that simple. It never is with Jesus. What I want to do now is I'm going to dive in to see what we shall see. Maybe we see this story in a new way, the correct way. So let's read the passage. It's a little bit long, but bear with me. And the apostles returned to Jesus. They're coming back from that trip they had taken where they were preaching and doing miracles in the towns around in pairs. They, They returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. That means the crowds were coming and going, and nobody had any free time. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. They're watching the boat from the shore, and they're following the boat. And when he went ashore, Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, Jesus answered them and says, no, you give them something to eat. (laughs) And they said to him, shall we, this is, they're being sarcastic, shall we go and buy a year's worth of wages and bread, that's what 200 denarii would be, and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they went in the crowd and and they found, and when they had found out, they said, we have five 
and two fish. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set be, to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were gorged. It says satisfied, but the Greek is gorged. And they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men, which translates to about 25,000 people. So... We'd like to look at three applications. The first one is the history of the passage. What about man? What does he do? And why and how does he do it? I want to talk about these sheep without a shepherd. First of all, you understand the disciples are at the top of their game right now. <clears throat> I mean, they're back from this incredibly successful mission. They're exhausted, no, no doubt, but they're full of these incredible stories of people they've healed and demons they've cast out and, and sermons they've preached and people have responded so well. And I bet they are just amped. For a lack of a better term, I'll use one of my least favorite Christian phrases. They're on fire for Jesus. <laughs> I hate that phrase. <laughs> I take it back. Kevin, can you rewind that and delete that out? <laughs> Just kidding. They have been teaching. They've been healing. Casting out evil. All the things that Jesus had given them authority to do. And now, crowds aren't just following Jesus. Now they're following them. In many of the same ways they had been following Jesus. These disciples, these 12 men have newfound confidence. They are, after all, apostles of the most powerful, popular rabbi in human history. Right now, in their minds, it's the pinnacle of their spiritual walk. I mean, who wouldn't among us feel that way if we were in their shoes? They're running on pure adrenaline, but if they don't get some rest soon, they're probably going to crash. But you know how we get when we are exhausted? We get a little punchy. We get a little irritable. I think we might see that in them just a little bit later. And understand, these are the biggest crowds yet that these men and Jesus and his disciples have seen. There's no place to rest. Each two-man team that went out has its own crowd to deal with now because they're doing miracles. And put that on top of the crowd that's following Jesus. Each team of disciples has their own following. And now, the scripture teaches us that the combined crowd is numbered at 5,000 men. This would equate to, because in those days they only counted men, this would equate to about 20,000 people or 25,000 if you count the women and the children. There's no rest to be had here. So what do they do? They've done what they've done many times in the past. To escape a crowd, they get on a boat and go out into the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Which goes to our next part of this story. I want to talk about a group of people that are out of options. This crowd that they're getting away from, it's a crowd of ordinary people. Some are outcasts because of their ethnicity. Some of them are outcasts because of infection, lepers, things like that. Some of them are outcasts because they have some sort of physical ailment that people don't understand. Some of them are outcasts because they have mental illness, evil possession. Some people in that group are struggling with depression, anxiety, substance abuse. 
There are widows. There are orphans. There are fugitives. There are homeless people. All of them, they are people that are just struggling to find daily bread for themselves and their families. They're wearing dirty, tattered clothing, just looking for ways to survive. Many are abandoned people. They've been written off, and they have been let down by institutions that abuse them. Institutions like religion, politicians, government. They have lived a life experiencing nothing but broken promises to people who promise to take care of them. They are hungry. They're sick. They're wandering. They're hurting, lonely people whose only option left is to chase Jesus on foot while he's on a boat offshore. So you could see how this crowd would be relentless at the prospect of being around Jesus and his disciples. This is for them, frankly, an opportunity of a lifetime to be healed, to be inspired, to be transformed. They're not going to let Jesus and his disciples out of their sight. They're just desperate people just dying to hear something, see something, receive something special from this group of men. So you got 25,000 people are watching this boat from shore and on foot chasing the boat on foot waiting for the time that they finally come back on shore. So that's the description of the crowd. I want to talk about the spiritual component of this passage. What about God or Jesus? What is he doing? Why and how does he do it? The scripture says he was moved with compassion. So the boat lands, right, and Jesus gets out, and something very unique happens with this crowd that it didn't happen with the other ones to this point. Previously, when Jesus came across the crowd, they're more like an obstacle to a particular mission he has with a few individuals or a group of people. He goes through crowds to get to somebody who needs healing or or somebody who needs to hear something from him, but this time, it's different. In the past, when he healed or did miracles, it was usually targeted to a few specific people. And in previously, we know this, when he would teach, <clears throat> he would teach in parables. So only the disciples and a few others could actually understand and grasp the truth. So while he's preaching to the crowd, it wasn't really for the crowd. In other words, his teaching wasn't for everyone but for those who add, as it is described in Scripture, ears to hear. But this time it's different. This crowd isn't an obstacle. This crowd of 25,000 desperate people is about to become an object, object of his affection. He sees these hurting, wandering, hungry sheep who need him in ways that they can see, and frankly, in many ways, they don't see or don't understand. They have no idea how much they need him in light of eternity. He sees them as a flock of sheep without a shepherd, wandering aimlessly, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Left to themselves, normally, uh, the reason this is a good illustration, a flock of sheep would just kind of wander around into danger, 
hurting themselves, each other, unable to provide food for themselves to eat. And what Jesus is about to do is he is actually about to connect directly with the whole crowd in an incredibly special, intimate way. He chooses not to go through the crowd or to avoid the crowd. He gets off the boat that was meant to be in a place of rest, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to spend the day with them. Not just an hour or so, but the whole day. Can you imagine how lucky this crowd felt? We don't have to chase him. He's going to hang out with us. And the scripture says he interacts with them for hours. Going around, teaching them, sitting with them, learning their names. Wow, can you just imagine how this crowd of people felt? And then he does something else. Jesus actually feeds the crowd. Now, there's a lot of miracles in what I'm about to lay out for you to understand what Jesus does. Besides just feeding. So after this long day of teaching, it's dinner time and the disciples are exhausted. They want the crowd gone. They're being a little bit selfish. Can you just send them away now, Jesus, so they can go, you know, go to a restaurant? <laughs> That's kind of what they wanted them to do. They want Jesus to send them away so the crowd can buy food to feed themselves. And the disciples can't see the need this crowd has. Jesus says, nah, not going to send them away. <clears throat> I want you to feed them. It's a task, frankly, his disciples cannot accomplish. They aren't as powerful and on fire as they think they are. Sarcastically, they ask Jesus a question. What do you want us to do? Take almost a full year's wages? Go to a town? Buy bread for 25,000 people? And haul it back here? In say an hour? I'm speculating here a little bit, but I think the exhausted disciples might have been just a bit testy at this point. You understand how much bread for 25,000 people is, right? <clears throat> Jesus sends them into the crowd and says, No, I want you to go find out what food is here. And they find, and we learn this from the Gospel of John, there's a, <clears throat> there's a kid they find with five loaves of bread, and I'll explain that in a minute, and two fish. It's not even enough for the 12 disciples, let alone the crowd. And who is this kid? I don't know. Was he an angel? And how in the world could they convince this kid, the only one with food in the crowd of 25,000, to give up his dinner? There's a miracle. <laughs> I mean, right now, <clears throat> you can't even get some church people to give up a roll of toilet paper or Clorox wipes. And this guy gives up his dinner. Now the food, <clears throat> I know there's pictures of this, and it's like this five loaves of really nice Publix bread. Big loaves, you know, it's nice and soft, and it's just delicious. That's not the type of loaves we're talking about here. The loaves of bread was most likely dried out pita type bread. And the fish is probably two small pieces of smoked, dried fish jerky. And you would eat the fish jerky with the pita bread. Doesn't that just sound delicious? I mean, I'm just hungry thinking about it. This dried fish and stale pita. Mm, mm. 
<clears throat> so what Jesus does is he organizes them into about 270 groups. They all comply quickly and quietly. There's another miracle for you. 25,000 people into groups. <clears throat> He's shepherding them. He's organizing them. And they are all there patiently waiting to be fed. <clears throat> and then he starts to multiply these stale pita breads and these dried fish jerky pieces. And the disciples serve a huge group of people. There's another miracle. <clears throat> but then there's something else he does. He feeds the 12. Now the disciples, they're about to be reminded they're no better than the crowd they're serving. They need Jesus just as much as the crowd does. And after everyone fills up, Jesus commands the disciples, listen, I want you to go pick up what's left over. And the scripture says it filled 12 baskets. Now, another thing we want to make sure we point out here in pictures that will show these guys carrying about 12 big, you know, wicker baskets full of stuff. That's not what the baskets were. In the Greek, we understand what these baskets really are, are like small travel bags. Like, a, like what we would think of today as a lunch pail. Bags big enough just to carry a, day, a day's meal for a person. That's what these baskets are. And I'm speculating it probably ended up being like five loaves or five pitas and two fish for each disciple probably. <clears throat> right? It's 12 baskets. Who do you think the food is for? Why 12? It's for the tired, hungry apostles. So Jesus, get this now, Jesus feeds 20 to 25,000 people, and the amount of food he creates is precise enough to have just enough left over to feed the disciples. It wasn't just the crowd that needed Jesus to provide. Everyone there is reliant upon Jesus. It's the biggest physical and logistical miracle yet. And in John, what we read in that account in the Gospel of John, they wanted to make him king. Well, of course they would. <clears throat> Here's the problem we have before we get into the personal application. I hate to tell you, but this story isn't about feeding hungry people. It's about how we are the hungry people needing to be fed. Because frankly, we all need Jesus. And here's the... <clears throat> the uh, social media campaign from this week. Christians like us, Christians like to forget just how helpless we are without Jesus. Think about it for a minute. Go back to what life was like six, seven weeks ago. You know, most Christians, they hear this story of Jesus and the 5,000, and our first thought is, we need to be willing to feed the hungry. We need to feed the 5,000. But you know, how arrogant is that? And let me explain what I mean. Here we are, we read this story of the disciples and Jesus, and who's the one we identify with? Who's the one's actions that we should mimic? We identify with Jesus. We tend to identify, not with the desperate crowd, not even with the disciples. We identify with Jesus. Don't deny it. <clears throat> These hurting people need our spiritual and earthly support, right? 
those poor people. We need to be like Jesus and feed them. <clears throat> and we are so good at being compassionate within the illusion of our own self-sufficient strength, like the disciples were as they were on a roll. I mean, <clears throat> we have food. We have money. We have homes. We have family. We go to church. We need to be like Jesus and feed the crowd. But it's funny, just like with the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan, you know the story where there's a guy who's walking and he's robbed and beaten up by a bunch of thieves and he's left for dead. And the Good Samaritan comes by and helps him and nurses him back to health and gets him a hotel room and takes care of him, binds his wounds and waits till he's able to go on his own. And when we read that story, the first thing we think is, yes, we need to be the Good Samaritan. We never realize the fact that, no, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. We are the robbed, beaten, left for dead guy. In both stories, we immediately tend to see ourselves as doing the work ascribed to Jesus. Sometimes we Christians can be really silly, blind, arrogant sheep, can't we? See, this is about Jesus and how he shepherds his sheep. Even when the sheep don't think they need to be shepherded. Fact is, we are just as desperately in need of our shepherd as the crowds that we seek to serve. Don't forget that. Because I'll tell you this, in the end, we can't feed anyone. <clears throat> now, it's true, the disciples were the ones that carried the food and fed the crowd, but only because of the work and the power of Jesus within them. It's a beautiful, frankly, illustration of the Great Commission where Jesus calls needy sheep like us to take the bread of life to other needy sheep. Something we can't do unless Jesus empowers us to do it. And it's amazing, right? God calls us to help shepherd the sheep even as we are unable to do it on our own. So back to what I started off with in my illustration about our mercy team <clears throat> and the amazing job that they do. That team, led by the example of its Humble leadership. I know this from personal experience. They're not serving this crowd in arrogance, seeing themselves as Jesus. They're serving it in absolute humility. Because I talked to Lisa and the team, and they realize we're no different. We just be, we're just fortunate enough to have food. Let me give you a news flash, church. We can't feed the 5,000. Only Jesus can. The fact is, without Jesus, we are the crowd. The sheep without a shepherd. Wandering spiritually, aimlessly, hopelessly, looking for meaning. Ask Lisa and her team about it. Because even as they serve the crowd... They know who they really are themselves. And that is that they are just like us, sheep that wander. Isaiah 53, 6, I love this passage. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one, that means every individual, <clears throat> to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
This story clearly teaches us that the disciples needed Jesus to shepherd and provide just as much as that crowd did. And Jesus was able to see the crowd for who they really were, even if they, including the disciples, didn't see themselves that way. And that's who we are. That's who we should rightly identify with in this story. The wandering, desperate crowd. All of us. And in the end, there's something we should do. We should return. Because we're prone to wander, we should return to the shepherd. 1 Peter 2.25, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The first time Jesus had compassion on us, we didn't even know how badly we needed a shepherd. And believe me, at least in my own life, prior to this pandemic, I had forgotten, as your pastor, that I was a sheep needing a shepherd. I was straying. I know certainly I had begun to wander, thinking I could provide for myself just fine as I helped the poor crowd around me. It's been very humbling. And like me, if you're honest, some of you should admit that you became extremely comfortable wandering without a shepherd, didn't you? I mean, when was the last time you really earnestly prayed for daily bread? Truly, not just in an obligatory kind of uh, ceremonial way, but truly recognizing the shepherd's provision beyond some obligatory prayer. See, this is one of the benefits of this COVID-19 pandemic, that it drives us back to the shepherd that we have wandered from. In some ways, I think Jesus can use this as a shepherd's crook. It reminds arrogant, silly, absent-minded sheep that we are prone to wander, and it reminds us how desperately we need that constant connection to our shepherd. We need our shepherd daily in so many ways. Some we can see, and frankly, many we won't know about or see until we're in heaven. Church, we need our great shepherd more than we can ever imagine, especially when we think we're being extremely effective for the kingdom. Maybe the great shepherd, like he did with the crowd, Perhaps through this story and maybe through this sermon in this worship service, perhaps he has decided to spend the day with you today. Perhaps today, with a little introspection, you can begin to see yourself as part of the wandering crowd, desperately needing and longing for your own sake to return to the great shepherd after a season of blind, arrogant, 
reckless wandering. <coughs> Jesus, we like to think of ourselves as smart sheep. Resourceful sheep, creative sheep, tough sheep. <laughs> In the end, we're just sheep. <clears throat> we're no better than the crowd that we try to serve. We are the same. We don't need you any less. As a matter of fact, in many ways, it's been revealed to us we need you even more. Jesus, I just pray that as a church, <clears throat> that you would continue to remind us that we need a constant connection to you, our great shepherd. <clears throat> and if all the suffering that this pandemic has brought, <clears throat> if one of the good things is you've used it as a shepherd's crook to bring us back to you, then in that light, we're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you so much for joining us again today. <clears throat> I hope that you've enjoyed worship. We're going to continue with this live stream and the Friday night live stream. Uh, we really love you guys. We miss you. And again, if you have needs of anything, you got to let us know. We've got your back. Love you guys, and we'll see you soon.